0: back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Juliette Televy, and joining me to take your questions this evening are Owen Williams from Nitrogen Fund Managers and Gary Boyson from Rand Swiss. If you'd like to send questions to us, please SMS 4392, email stockwatch at or tweet us at BusinessDayTV using the hashtag Stockwatch. Rowan, Gary, good to see you both here this evening. Rowan, if I may start with you, a decent day for the JSE. Uh, of course, we're in the grip of stage six load shedding, so everyone is very, very grumpy about uh, the conditions of mm-hmm. South Africa. But the market's actually doing quite well, and it it, it seemed to be fairly across the board.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was a bit of a strange day because for a good portion of the session, uh, there was not much going on. The market was actually drifting down. And then in the afternoon, there was sort of a, a fairly strong rally and the, the market moved up to and towards its highs. I think we had, uh, we got a U.S. Uh, bank holiday today, so that always uh, mutes uh, sort of market movements. We are seeing sort of just a choppy sideways mm. market uh, moving up and down, as you mentioned. The mood locally is not great, but what um, some investors, yeah, I may have, uh, forget, is that up to around 60% of the JSC is foreign currency denominated. If you take direct uh, sort of uh, rand hedge stocks plus those that earn uh, earnings offshore, so uh, notwithstanding yeah, up the sort of glum economic conditions locally, we're actually seeing a fairly strong market so but the rand is uh, the weak rand is helping that so Mm. i think we're just going to move in a bit of a sideways pattern we're obviously waiting for the budget speech on wednesday and that'll be a bit market moving but um yeah it's difficult to see sort of locally what's going to sort of get us out of the the local malaise uh, in the short
0: term yeah okay well let me move to specific um, issues gary um and if we talk about a a a very locally focused stock that, however, has a, I suppose, international component, it would be City Lodge, which, of course, um, international component, what I mean by that is maybe the tourist market that it can tap into, and um, it seems to be doing very well in the Western Cape in particular. And it came out with a trading update today that seemed really decent. There's a couple of questions about why shares fell. So, well, yeah, those are the questions, really. Um, Despite notwithstanding the trading updates, why did the share price come off today? Any thoughts?
2: Why did why did the shares fall? Uh, so good <laughs> question. Um, the trading segment was very light on information. So I mean, it did give us uh, kind of like, you know, ba- basic uh, earnings numbers. just saying it's going to swing, uh, you know, to to a profit from a from a five point nine cents loss. So uh, you know, the reason it fell, as I'm assuming, is that it wasn't quite as much as the market was expecting. Um, they were hoping for a little bit more of a recovery. Because as you say, I think the idea that uh, you know the world is opening up and South Africa is becoming an attractive uh, tourist destination. We have events going on, we've got headline artists arriving here. It it does seem like the world is back to normal and yet uh, City Lodge's share price certainly isn't back to normal. So. yeah, it is, it is a little bit surprising that it, it did fall, but but again, to Rowan's point, uh, we have the, the U.S. holiday, uh, a lot of traders kind of out of the market. I was phoning some of our, our prime brokers this afternoon and uh, half of them are already on leave because the U.S. is <laughs> closed this evening. So uh, a little a little bit, uh, yeah, I think a little bit lower volume, maybe, and maybe not a big reaction. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, looking, looking at the underlying numbers, very, very good. So you're seeing a, a big recovery in, in City Lodge's uh, kind of revenue numbers. Earnings are going positive again. And as i said from from a loss so it does seem like uh, like things are picking up but uh, market uh, clearly hoping for a little bit more yeah. given the what what looks like a positive environment uh, and a positive rebound in their in the economic environment maybe maybe just concerned i suppose as you say about load shedding and and, and south africa as uh, a destination but you would you would kind of think that was already priced into the stock by yeah. now
0: Rowan, I mean, uh, well, to Gary's point that the market maybe was hoping for more, and yet, actually, having said that, the market hasn't been that optimistic about <laughs> City Lodge's share price of late. It, it hasn't, City Lodge seems to be dwindling and s- mm. stuck below the five Rand level. And if you look at that longer term chart, okay, 2018, you know, the, 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 uh, the events oh. since then, um, 2018 is a whole different world for City Lodge compared to what it is now. Um, do you see any prospects of a, of a real recovery in the share price this year? Or are there just too many shares in issue because they had to raise money, and that's part of the problem that's depressing the share price?
1: Yeah, so that could be one of the reasons that um, you know investors sort of forget the dilutive impact of a rights issue, and obviously it comes out in uh, results. Are notwithstanding uh, the recovery in earnings, it's over a much larger base of, of number of shares, so the actual earnings per share is not that great, so the valuation per share. Is not that fantastic. So I think that could be one driver as well because yeah, you you forget how dilutive it can be. Um, but certainly, I think there can be a strong recovery in the share. I mean, what we're hearing anecdotally that uh, Cape Town remains very busy. Uh, we're having a fairly strong and quite extended fe- uh, uh, just uh, vacation season, and uh, that is quite positive. So these these companies are both uh, operationally and financially geared, and if they get the occupancies up and their rev par um, up significantly, then you you can see earnings uh, grow and uh, the share would follow. So mm. um, I think we need to see the delivery for the rest of the year. I mean, we mentioned the strong the week around. It's quite an attractive uh, destination for foreigners um, because of the affordability. So I think that is helping, and uh, it is an area. I mean, it's uh, been controversial how the South African government wants to uh, yeah promote South Africa as a, a tourist destination, but um, I think. It, it 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 will be positive, and uh, yeah, I think uh, what we're hearing is conferences are also quite positive, and uh, so they probably will have a pretty good year. And if they do, the, the share price will follow.
0: Yeah, let's hope so. Um, speaking of local stocks and uh, the trading updates, and the results are starting to come out thick and fast. There was a question on on impacts. Um, Gary Impact also came out of the trading statement today, which seemed quite good. Uh, the headline earnings uh, for the year expected to increase about 23%. They talk about the underlying headline earnings, um, and the question, however, is its debt has increased by almost 600 million rand um, in the 12 months. Could it be in a debt trap? Um, and, and of course, that pushes up its finance costs, which are now 184 million rand compared to 140 million rand in the prior financial year. Do you think that is uh, f- possible with impacts? And also, their share price did some weird things today because it rallied really hard and then kind of came all the way back.
2: Yeah, so so let me just put a qualify in here right away. Like I don't, I don't cover impact. We don't, we haven't, I haven't traded in the impact share in a long time. We've kind of stayed clear of the stock. So, uh, you know, can it be in a debt trap? I'm just pulling up the. It's it's kind of a debt profile at the moment. But uh, you know, obviously with rising interest rates, you know, you know, highly leveraged companies, uh, you know, face uh, you know much, a much more challenging environment to to others. Uh, but looking at, it, I mean, I've just got it up here. De- debt to equity sitting at sixty percent. is not particularly high. It's not. Not not crazy high. I mean, Roan might have more insight into into the business itself. But uh, yeah, as you said, just reading the, the headline numbers, and again, I don't cover the stocks, so and I haven't traded the stock in a long time. <laughs> it did look pretty positive. It it wasn't uh, yeah nothing nothing really spooks you reading through the trading statement. But mm. uh, it is, it's quite possible that there might be something underneath the business that I'm that I'm not picking up.
0: Yeah. Rowan, I mean, uh, we rely on you for your insights here. And actually, the, the share price ended quite well ahead. I think it was 9% ahead, then it was about 3%. It ended 6% odd percent up. So actually, that's a pretty good showing for impact today. Mm. Are you worried about the debt? Or do you think they can handle their, their borrowings?
1: No, it looks like uh, that the, the earnings are up nicely. And I think that was uh, yeah positive. There were some concerns about sort of underlying demand. Um, I know a number of investors have just been concerned in the medium term over the cash generation out of the business. So it's uh, been quite capital intensive. They are uh, on a quite a strong, and they have been on a Cap- CapEx program for a number of years. So plowing back profits um, into new plant, plant expansion, which is generally good, but there's been uh, yeah, quite a lot of work in capital absorption. Um, so it has been quite a strong comment uh, of, of from the company. Uh, or investors in the company that they were just disappointed with the with the cash flow. So I think we'll have to see the shape of it and and what uh, comes out in the results. So the earnings are there. It needs to be converted into cash. If we can see that sort of working capital normalizing and then sort of CapEx also tailing off or getting the returns that they expect, then uh, I think the share price, yeah, it can move up from here. It has been quite depressed. So it has potential to to, to go up yeah.
0: I mean, depressed in the shorter term, but actually over the last two years, Impact has done quite well. And it's, it's kind of finally shrugged off, I think, what had been a really, well, it's been really tough for Impact. Um, I mean, you know, you can see that actually it's a, been a consistent climber uh, notwithstanding maybe the last couple of months um, since 2020.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, this is the story of some, a lot of uh, South African industrial stocks. It depends on your, your starting point and yeah. how far you look back. Yeah. If you go back sort of 2018, then it's, you know, it's not that exciting. So a lot of the stocks have sort of were doing well, then they trough badly, obviously driven by COVID as well, and they have recovered. So if you've got a two-year view, it does look quite good, but a longer-term view, uh, returns have generally been disappointing um, mm. across a number of sectors and a number of stocks.
0: Yeah, okay. Uh, and then the, fir- uh, the following two questions are, are less questions, more sort of a, a polemic to be set up and discussed, I guess, amongst the three of us. Um, and the first is on governed bonds. And he says, I often hear your market watchers speak of South African government bonds as an attractive investment. Um, I would beg to differ a little. Interest rates in developed markets have risen substantially as well. I prefer international markets, and they carry far less risk than in South Africa. Foreigners have been selling SA bonds aggressively of late. No surprise, really. The currency risk when investing in RAND denominated Bonds is not mentioned by your analysts, also not to mention will probably be downgraded further by ratings agencies due to the fact that South Africa cannot keep the lights on gary um, so there 's no question there rather, but I wonder if you and i 'm not sure if you 've ever actually picked South African government bonds, but if you have, how would you defend them because actually, Bloomberg also ran a story showing about showing how foreigners have sold um, South African bonds massively, but local investors have bought in so mm-mm. Yeah, I don't know, where do you stand?
2: I suppose if foreigners are selling, locals must be buying. But um, <laughs> yeah, who are these terrible commentators that come on and don't warn people about the currency risks of local bonds? So I have actually picked, okay, so I, have, I didn't really pick a, a, a government bond, but I, I did pick a, a, a one-year deposit. At, uh, it was a Nedbank one-year deposit actually. A, a little while ago and the idea was that it was just, it was kind of, a, it looked like a mispricing in, in kind of like the, the curve um, that they, you were just getting an insane rate uh, on a one-year deposit and it wasn't to say this was the, the optimum investment for, for, the base case optimum investment, it was just saying, hey, if you're looking to fix fix uh, for one year in South African Rand, it, this looks like an interesting an interesting idea, but uh, the, the the comment is 100% correct. Uh, you know, whenever you're buying a government bond uh, or, or any bond, it, you, you know, that is a czar-based bond essentially. Um, you are taking currency risk. There's no question about that, unless I suppose you're lending money to the South African government in dollars, in which case there the isn't the same currency risk. So it's it's a very very broad statement, if you want to put it that way. But uh, but absolutely, obviously, if you if you're buying a South African bond, you, 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 it's part of a South African strategy, and and you've got to take the currency risk as well. I, I think uh, what a lot of people don't appreciate, and, and and especially people that are very negative on the currency, and very negative on South Africa, and say, oh, well, international market's are always going to offer better opportunities. Uh, yeah, you know, in, in yield terms, our yields are very, very high. And uh, if you do, do get a currency blow off like this and you see the currency go to, you know, 1850 to, to the dollar, and you're going to go and pick up a six month South African bond and, and pick up, you know, a decent yield on that bond over six, you know, over six months uh, with a view that your currency can get stronger. And I mean, we know how, how volatile the South African currency is. You can often generate a decent yield and then benefit from the, the kind mm. of almost the reverse swing of the currency on the way down. So there's definitely a space for buying. South African bonds is definitely a space for trading South African bonds, um, but it, I think this also comes down to maybe the underlying objective of of the person making the comment. You know, if you if you are very negative on the outlook of South Africa and uh, you know you don't have a, a lot of uh, need to invest in South Africa, yeah, great. There's a huge and, and very diverse international um, geography and that you can invest in. And with the the, the the slide in the currency that you've had so far, even if you've picked poor investments overseas, often in in, in yeah, terms better. you seem to have done very very <laughs> well so it's uh, yeah it it comes down to I think that maybe is more of a personal comment rather than a thing so I mean I can tell you right now about 80 I'd say 85% of our client base sits in in, international markets that doesn't mean that there isn't a space for the 15% that are investing locally and need to invest locally as well
0: Uh, our viewer had said well we don't often enough mention the currency risk attached to investing in South Africa is there a point or is there um, a motivation for investing in South African bonds, notwithstanding the currency risk, where you would say, actually, I don't want to take my money um, um, to offshore um, bonds, um, even though their yields are are now definitely higher than they were a few years ago. I mean, what's the case?
1: Certainly, I I think what's important is uh, as an investor, um, what is your departure point? Are you a South African investor who has South African Liabilities, South African bills to pay in Rands. You you need an, an income to match that, and that's why you see the the local institutions, particularly uh, so the life insurers. They have um, a lot of uh, uh, incomes that they have to fund, and they buy bonds in order to do that. So, and uh, it is a steady income stream. It's a fairly high yield, and it uh, it, it easily matches their 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 ongoing liabilities. So. From that perspective it does make sense um if you look at it in the broader context of a portfolio uh you need to consider it as part of your overall mix and there still is a, 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 a you know a, a room for an income producing asset to match uh, as i said what uh, bills you have in rands and uh, if you remember if you've got a pension fund in terms of uh yeah reg 28 you've got to have a fairly large uh, portion in, in, in income bonds anyway so you'll mm. probably be exposed to that so okay. you just got to think about it but it, it can make sense certainly
0: yeah okay and then the same viewer um sends <laughs> an, a, an email so i'm just <laughs> going to wrap them up there um, um and he says as a corporate governance expert i'm alarmed by what i regard as poor corporate governance from current nation they themselves are investors and should understand that the market needs to hear more details regarding their tax woes including how much size is claiming and how exactly their problems arose a very important and facet of good corporate governance is transparency exactly um it's the g in esg uh, rowan just sticking with you do you think that there is poor corporate governance or do you think there's a reason why coronation is not giving us the full picture yet
1: well it's interesting because uh, the um judgments are a matter of public record so uh, <laughs> We took the time to go onto the internet and uh, go to the Supreme Court website and download the judgment and read what it was all about. So it is out there, so you you, you, you can do your own homework. Um, and it relates to um, Coronation's foreign subsidiary, uh, the earnings between 2012 and 2017. Uh, and there was a certain interpretation of, of the taxation of those, uh, and though that was uh, initially the Western Court, uh, Western Cape Tax Court, ruled in in Coronation's favour. So I think they felt that there was a low risk of an adverse assessment. Um, but having said that, uh, the recent judgment uh, turned that around in the Supreme Court. So, um, and it is has become quite a shock, and I must admit, us as uh, shareholders in Coronation, we're also yeah. quite unhappy. I think the problem was the quantum um, involved, and and uh, so there may have been a from the management's perspective a low risk of an adverse judgment but the, the 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 quantum involved is substantial and uh kind of doesn't really make sense relative to the potential earnings but obviously it it, it stacks up mm. and uh, so i think that's where a lot of the the disappointment uh stems from so i think they could have been uh, more transparent in in, in retrospect and, and sort of highlighted the risks uh, instead of it coming out as a bolt from the blue but yeah. you can assess uh the the facts uh, in the public domain
0: okay gary i mean the, the quantum uh, and if you look at the, the coronation share price it's actually uh okay it had a bad year last year but it's actually only back down to where it was at the start of january um i, I mean is that would you say where the share is now uh, having given its rally uh, to above you know to, to sort of mid uh, you know above 35 rand a share and given where it's now back is, is that the quantum of the fine that they face? Has the market now priced it in? Or is, is the market getting it wrong? I mean, or, you know, so, which is, of course, the big question for would-be investors in Coronation or holders of Coronation shares.
2: I want to give my answer, but I see Rowan's furiously shaking his head <laughs> there. I think, I think we should let, let, let Rowan answer this one.
0: Okay, Rowan, do you think yeah. you know what, I mean, right. yeah.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, so we have looked at it. So
1: basically, they like said they're going to skip the interim dividend. Yeah. Um, so the quantum's around 700 million rand. So, I mean, that is a large number in anyone's books. Um, but the share price, so that would be 3 or 4% or up to 5% of the share price. It's dropped by about 12% from the high. I mean, it was interesting to see that before the announcement, the share was sort of weakening already. Um, and then on the announcement dropped uh, a, a further amount. So I think what we are seeing is what you're, um, you viewer mentioning is sort of a corporate governance discount here because the okay. market is uh, <laughs> clearly unhappy with the disclosure around it. So it's actually been almost like a double whammy. I'd say yeah. the, the, the share price it, it drop is double the amount of uh, the, the quantum of the, 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 the tax.
0: Okay. Okay. I mean, good yeah. points. Although, I mean, I have heard figures bandied about of one and a half to two billion rand that is the fine that they could fa- face, uh, uh, Gary. Uh, or, or do you think? Yeah, but I, th- yeah. I think I think
2: Rowan's got a Rowan's got a spot on there. I think uh, the, the the viewer is to an extent right uh, around the corporate governance. So obviously, you always want to see you know maximum disclosure. You want to see you know uh, like a company keeping shareholders abreast, especially because it's a public company. Um, now. Yeah, now, absolutely. There, there, there seems to be a risk premium starting to be built into this, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire, and where, where suddenly this wasn't disclosed, what else hasn't been disclosed? And I, mean, mm. I think there's a lot of South African investors or, or investors in South African firms that uh, Steinhoff might have been 2017, but it's still very fresh in everyone's memory. And, uh, you know, the idea around corporate governance and the idea that there can be funnies in, in even our biggest uh, companies uh, is a very real possibility. And that's why I think, you know, there, there is a discount being applied here. And people are maybe rather being safe than sorry when there's uh, when there's a lack of uh, transparency.
0: Yeah. Well, you certainly hope it's not from, you know, the, the moral arbiters, <laughs> which the asset management sometimes, you know, pu- well, is and purports to be. Um, so you hope that that's not the case. Um, moving on, uh, just back to the, the bonds, um, a viewer has sent in a subsequent uh, question saying, uh, um, my question is, how does one access international bonds? Can ordinary citizens buy a US government bond, for example? How do, would one go about it? Gary, just sticking with you because you have uh, especially a, sort of a, a big international um, offering, um, yeah, h- how would one go and buy US bonds in the South African market?
2: Yeah, you know, there's, there's, there's there's plenty of, of, of platforms that, that will give you access to, to international markets. And usually for retail investors, the, the the issue around buying, you know, let's say direct U.S. treasuries is, is just, the, again, the quant, this is quantum word way too much, but it's the quantum. A lot of these, the, the tranches are just very, very big. Um, but yeah, there's plenty of proxy products that you can buy as well. So, you know, good international platforms should open you up to, to bond, you know, to bond markets internationally. And even as a retail investor, you should be able to either go and buy direct bonds there's also a lot of mutual funds overseas that will give you uh, you know if you if you're looking at let's say shorter duration bonds and you want to kind of have a portfolio of bonds so that you're not exposed to a single credit risk or you you know you want someone that is an expert in kind of rotating from one duration to the next there's there's plenty of mutual funds that will give you give you access to the underlying bond market overseas i mean i'm talking like you know almost hundreds of thousands of different options for clients. So okay. uh, I can tell you the exact platforms if you want.
0: But, yeah, just a, uh, I mean, can, just, can you mention just a couple? Phone us
2: and can you, oh, okay. Yeah, so, we, I mean, we, we, yeah so, <laughs> so I mean, phone around Swiss and we'll sort you out. But I mean, you know, there's uh, obviously, we, we run specifically through Saxo Bank and through Swissquote and, okay. and both have bonds, uh, international bonds available to clients. So okay. just, just bear in mind that there is a level of uh, appropriateness testing that, that uh, you know, a broker would have to do before allowing you to buy to, you know, in the, you know South Africa buying in the international markets so that you understand the instruments that you're buying. But if, if you can demonstrate that you understand the, the market that you're operating in, um, there's no, no reason that you can't operate in.
0: Okay. Um, and then just a question on international stocks, uh, before I get to your stock picks. Um, there's a question mm. on uh, thoughts on Credit Suisse. Is it worth a swing at? Rowan, I mean Credit Suisse has been in the news for the wrong reasons. I don't know if you've ever looked at this and thought, hmm, yeah, this looks tasty or <laughs> stay well clear. Why would you buy yeah, Credit Suisse? I mean
1: They've had a lot of challenges. I think what we're seeing is the um, corporate banking, investment banking space uh, getting more competitive. Uh, there has been uh, a lot of sort of uh, misplaced risk. I um, mean, if you look at those uh, junk bonds that, yeah, uh, you know, the various uh, big bulge bracket banks uh, uh, were, were backing, like um, uh, just the, the, the Twitter uh, 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 acquisition bonds. Um, I think there could be a lot of bad risk on on the books and I would rather go for the bigger, more established businesses that have sound risk management principles and go for a safe bet because I think it's not worth taking the risk on sort of uh, a bank that may be moving out of that bulge bracket and then the the, the overheads are there without the the turnover Mm. and it may not be the best proposition.
0: Sorry, what is a bulge bracket for the uninformed among us? Yeah, so the
1: Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, um, I guess Credit Suisse, HSBC, those are really the top tier banks globally. Okay. Um, And I guess it used to be in that space, but given its challenges and uh, I guess the impact it has on its brand name, maybe it's falling out of um, that, that, that company. And then uh, it's more of a follower and a chaser. And it's not a great position to be in for, for that kind of risk.
0: Yeah. And they haven't actually seemed to cover themselves in glory for many, many years. Um, uh, Gary, I shall get onto to stock picks if, if you don't mind. Um, what would you be buying if not Credit Suisse? <laughs>
2: Should we do Credit Suisse again? No. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with the MTN. Uh, it's uh, it's not it's not the same YOLO trade that I did in Credit Suisse a while ago, but uh, yeah, MTN, I think uh, yeah, they've, they've got the Ghanaian uh, tax issue behind them. Uh, they've uh, recently been awarded uh, an alliance by the Nigerian Central Bank around uh, uh, essentially rolling out financial services to the Nigerian market. That's around 30% of their business. Their market cap is still equivalent to Vodacom, although they have far more users. And, and for me, that's an opportunity for them to increase our. And, uh, and and really take the business to the next level of course it is a risky business because it operates in uh, territories across Africa which uh, you know are, are facing a little bit of a squeeze in, in the difficult uh, environment that we've seen in the post-COVID world but uh, but to be entrenched in, in in populations that have you know positive demographic dividends uh, for, for me in, a, on, in the long term is very very exciting
0: yeah okay great mtN for gary uh, Rowan how about you
2: we're going with AdverTech, and it's, a,
0: it's a,
1: a bit of a safer bet, private education group. What we do find um, is uh, it's due to uh, report and their, their results and the consistency of uh, the uh, generating growth has been uh, exceptional. I think they somewhat, uh, yeah. Uh, they're immune to sort of load shedding and the general economic malaise that we, we're feeling and they're still seeing secular growth. Um, we saw actually Curragh's numbers were quite good, enrollments were quite good. Uh, the Advertech also has tertiary education and also expanding into Africa. So it ticks a number of boxes. Um, the share hasn't moved too much actually in the, in the short term and I think it could uh, improve on, on the results announcement.
0: Let's hope so. Uh, Rowan, Gary, thanks very much for joining us this evening. Nice to chat to you both. Uh, Good to see you. Rowan Williams is from Nitrogen Fund Managers. Gary Boyson is from Rand Swiss. And Stockwatch back tomorrow night. Have a good evening.